I'm KCT, and this is Going Up North, the podcast where I take interesting people out on the ice to try their hand at a family tradition, spearfishing. While we wait the hours it may take for the opportunity to see a northern, we'll shoot the shit, have some laughs, tell our stories, and hopefully go home with one in the bag. This week, my surprise guest Scott and I continue to sit for the afternoon and dig deep for some killer content and more pizza talk. Do you think people our age drink more than, uh, like, previous generations? No. You don't, really? <laughs> Uh, I guess I don't have the data to back that up, but man, I, uh, I've known enough people that have been around, and it just seems like uh, yeah, fair enough. it'd be interesting to kind of track how drinking culture has uh, mm. has changed in terms of, like, you know, people's propensity for drinking in versus drinking out versus drinking in then drinking out. I know that... You and I probably know enough people that had something to say about when uh, when the state outlawed smoking in bars, and I just know en- enough people that were like like that seriously curbed their drinking out. Sure. And it's not to say that it shouldn't have happened, because like it totally should have. But like, yeah, like I. Uh, of course, I don't know if the data even supports that. Like, you know, I'm just saying, I know enough older people that told me about their times younger and it's just kind of like yeah i used to drink all the time sure now what's your perspective on it i feel like most people i know drink decidedly more than their parents and probably more than their parents did when they were okay age is my gauge of that like, I think about how many friends of mine would, quote, well, would fall into the, quote, binge drinking category on a nightly basis, right? Like, oh, having more than five drinks or whatever, right? Like, sure. As compared to how their parents are now, like, super anti-alcohol. They're like, oh, you know, I have one drink every other day or, you know, like, whatever sort of, like, teetotaling response or lifestyle there is. And then even, like talking about or like hearing stories from those same people of when they were of similar age it's like oh so you've always basically been sober you know yeah and maybe it's like the acceptability i don't know but just seem well maybe my friends are all just drunks but you know i mean even like responsible well more responsible or like people who didn't drink as much as like say we did at any given point yeah still now drink more than what I think like the average person would admit to. But I guess again, I'm not sure. You know, like if you took sure. And again, maybe I just found all the fucking addicts when I made my friends, but it really seems to be part of the weird millennial grind. Yeah, that's certainly something. I mean, you know, like we all drink more because the fucking world is so god fucking yeah. awful around us that the only way we can cope is by getting liver disease that we can't afford the medical bills for. <laughs> or even just like you get you get perspective on it as like someone in my line of work, tended bar, especially tending bar in a place places like I did in St. Cloud. Like I used to tend bar at the Moose Lodge, and like yeah, that's by and large like boomers that that you're that you're serving and yeah you got the impression they've just you know had your regulars that come in and they're 
you know, come in three, five times a week and you just kind of got the impression that that's just the ritual that they've been living for their whole lives. Right, exactly. You know, see how it plays into, like, when we ended up meeting other people our age at, like, college and stuff and, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think that you're on to something about, like, the need to use drugs and alcohol to kind of get through your existential uh, ennui. Right. It's like, hammering bitches about millennials, right? Yeah, that's bullshit. Right. Uh, I mean, some, I mean, there's always been entitled shitheads. Yeah, that's are you, true. Are you I telling mean, me that the fucking greatest generation wasn't a bunch of entitled shitheads? Like, come on. <laughs> Look at the system they built for themselves. And and and, and their uh, kids, you know, that if they were successful, right? Like, it's created more whiny entitled shitheads. Like, oh, fucking boomers. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, like I said, yeah, a lot of fucking self-medication going on. Which is, like, you know, not a good way to spend resources, but, you know, especially when they're limited as they are. Oh, probably just speaks to the importance, then. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And every aspect of it ties into it, right? Like the whole, uh, the surge of like people in our generation demanding like better beer, better wine, better spirits, better cocktails. Like you could even like point to that, not even as like from a, from a drug use self-medication standpoint, but that whole thing that people talk about with millennials about like, experience and like it being increasingly like important or people people like valuing like the value of experience versus like just it's not just the means to the end of getting drunk it's that like i'm i'm willing to like give some of my precious resources to like enjoying a better product to like whatever it's just like going out and drinking three really nice IPAs as opposed to buying ten long necks at the bar, like... Right. That's, yeah, that is fair. Do you see the, uh... Do you ever read The Hard Times? Mm-hmm. Basically, like, The Onion, but, like, geared toward, like, music culture and, like... Okay. And, like, punk music culture and stuff, too. And, like, it's, uh was an article that was like like neighborhood straight edge kid like like finds unlikely alliance with mormon family (laughs) i'm trying to think of like better content like (laughs) this is a content that's not just being like you know what's bullshit this person (laughs) (laughs) tim burton tim burton eat a dick (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Uh, 
so jazzed. I want to see something. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. I'm so, like, tuned to, like, give a fucking heads up or a warning or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. like, because mm -hmm. I'm always trying to, like, help someone else or whatever that, like, kind of forget sometimes that, like, whatever, and sometimes I'll just be out here with Dad and he'll just be like... Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck, how about that, huh? <laughs> you know, and he pulls it up, there's a fish on it, it's like, Jesus, I never even, you never even, well, all right, that's fine. You know, and like, just kind of surprises you. Yeah. I guess that was there. Because legitimately, like, you know, you can see the angle, right? Like, I can't see shit on the No, yeah, feet, for like, sure. Well, I can't even see the decoy, actually. I don't know, man. Like it's it's it's. It seems to me that. It's folly to think of. Literature in a vacuum, mm. and it's surprising. How often students of literature are willing to do that, and I understand that literature is a living, breathing thing. Probably like. The best example in classics that I can think of offhand would be the Lysistrata. Mm. And, like, you know, don't kid yourself. The Lysistrata is not written to be about female empowerment. And, like, it's being successfully kind of reinterpreted you know, in, like, modern productions, in modern translations, even in, like, the real fucking world, like, right. you know, like, we're talking about, uh, I can't even remember, uh, I sounded like a jackass, but, like, you know, the uh, woman-led revolutions in African countries using Lysistratan technique, like, let's just, like, withhold sex from our husbands until, like, disputes are settled. Sure. You know, that's, it's all powerful stuff, but, like, at the end of the day, it's, it's being written from, like, a point of, like, comical absurdity. Like, wouldn't it be funny if women had opinions and, like, <laughs> and, like, were this organized in their thinking? Like... It's, right. it's as absurd as clouds talking or, right. you know, whatever. So, you know, you can't really get into context of, like, true, I, I would say true interpretation, true criticism, literary criticism of Alyssa Strada without at least figuring, like, not only its context in terms of, like, the Peloponnesian War and its impact on Athens and Sparta, but you know, gender politics of classical Greece. Right. So that was one that shout out to Heather Waddell for having us think critically about that. Right. But, um, so I honestly have no like emotional interest in the answer to this question. So don't feel like I do. But 
Did you um, did you listen to like the whole season last year? I did not listen okay. to the bonus episodes with Doozer talking about. Uh, I never got there, so don't feel bad. Okay, I thought that you. I thought that you posted at least had, one. No, I posted like the tune that the music's from. Got it. Okay. And then. Well, uh, then yeah, I, I okay. listened to the whole season. Okay. Cool. 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 Did that. Besides me being a dick and being like, gotta come to the states, eh? It's been a long time since we went spearing and shit. Yeah. Did that like, I don't know. Did that make you like want to come back out here more than say you had already? Well, I would say that I was already uh, wanting to do this again. Um, you know. Right, because you got a spear fish. You can't, like, yeah, you well, can't sure. let it be your whole life that Casey fucked up your only spearing experience. <laughs> you know, so I was already aiming to get out here, but uh, definitely like the opportunity to. Uh, you know, the opportunity to appear on uh, the podcast was just kind of sweetening the deal. Just help you out with what you're doing. I feel kind of bad. Like, I'm not really contributing quite to the extent that I really wanted to. Like, well, what did you want to contribute, Scott? Well, I know. I mean, this I know is your that, opportunity. Well, I know, man. It's all in my, the ball is all in my court. Trung gave a great interview because, like, he had a lot to talk about yeah. because he's, like, accomplished shit with his life. Like,. <laughs> In the, in the bitch. <laughs> so, Scott, tell us about yourself. Well, I don't know. I got out of school and got a degree I ain't using and another degree I ain't using. And, you know, then I just uh, started tending bar and now I'm looking to drive a bus. I don't know why. I sound like your dad in this, <laughs> in this sort of interpretation of myself. But, yeah, like... A reflection on an unremarkable life. Sure. But <laughs> I, I really struggled coming from a middle-class white family, yeah, yeah. Catholic St. Cloud. It's just suffered so much. Yeah, right. I've like learned this. all these great lessons about life. Yeah. Let me tell you about my privileges. Living a happy life in Canada with two cats. Casey will never understand. No. <laughs> Fucking show cat? Get fucked. <laughs> Who pays money for a cat? Oh. To be fair, my wife said the same thing. Actually, the way that she phrased it where it was, cats aren't the sort of thing you pay money for. Cats are the sort of thing you get from the garbage. My my wife grew up with cats, and, you know, they lived in the country, so... Yeah, like, all of, all of her household cats growing up and any of, any of the places she was living were all just places... They were all just cats that... Her mom or her grandmother brought in because they were just roaming the neighborhood and they started feeding them and then let them in the house and you know and even our first cat we got from a shelter like right. it's but yeah that's by happenstance my designer cat no i was telling steve that like it, like it was almost embarrassing like talking to trung like if you listen to the tape it's just like him saying a bunch of profound shit and me going hmm <laughs> interesting you know like, what crazy like it's just like i'm just interjecting with like commentary on what he's saying i'm not even like engaging i am but you know it's like and he was like i don't know if i he said the same thing he's like i don't know dude, i'm not that interesting i'm like fuck no this is great oh you, you just talked the whole day i gotta edit your cool shit like i don't have anything to say i'm not that interesting you never started the urban mcdonald's oh, man i got sidetracked on it like, I do, I do still take notes every time I'm in a, uh, well, 
to catch to catch you up, dear listener. Um, my wife and I planned a blog project called McDicks and the Six, <laughs> wherein we uh, wherein we plan to visit every location of McDonald's in uh, Toronto proper, and um, you know there are a few, but like not an insur- not an insurmountable number. And every time I go into a new one, I take notes. The idea is that the blog will serve as something of a tongue-in-cheek guide to the weary traveler. Some interesting things that I have found in my tour of, of uh, Toronto area McDonald's are some of the sketchier ones have, uh, have like, um, you know, needle drops in the, uh, in the bathrooms. But in one of them, like, somebody had, like, jimmied the top off of it. Oh, so no. it became, like, a take a needle, leave a needle bin. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. Yeah, pretty bad. Um, pretty, pretty bad. So I'm assuming at that one, the ice cream machine was broken and you got old fries. Uh, no, I went during a high volume time, so the fries were fine. And the ice cream machine was operational, which uh, right now I've taken notes on eight locations around town. And based on the times that I've gone to take notes, it's about a 50-50 shot of that ice cream machine being broken. So, which is pretty good, actually, when you, when you match it up to my other experiences, just anecdotally with McDonald's. So. That's what my blog should be about. And I gotta, like, stop worrying about making some sort of online presence about beer and just focus on the, the McDonald's thing. That's where the money is. Would you listen to a McDicks in the Six podcast, Casey? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely, I would. There's, like, no context. There's, like, what the fuck is College Street? Like... <laughs> <laughs> afraid of Casey um I don't like heights failure sucks uh afraid of mm. <clears throat> like yeah dude being like being like we talked about this a little bit like I like you still have traces of like the intellectual elitism, right? Like, yeah. Like you were saying, like, oh, my friend so and so is doing this fucking cool thing in their like chosen academic or professional field, and like, I'm gonna be a bus driver. But really, who fucking cares? Like you say, it's a good job, right? So it doesn't really matter. But coming to terms with that yourself, of like, you know, I don't, I don't want to fucking flip pancakes my whole life, right? Not that it fucking matters, but like being a failure in that sort of overall sense of like I never really like achieved the thing that like the boomer dream right or whatever like sure. I never really got there or, like you know I had to settle somehow and then like I guess if it's not a failure it's like the disappointment that comes from that okay and maybe not from necessarily myself but you know whatever like your fucking parents like your dad wanting you to fucking work for the feds like fuck him but at the same time like people have emotional 
you know, you can't tell me that like him saying that isn't, you know, more impactful to your life than me saying that or, you know, anybody yeah. else, you know, like, sure. Even if you were like, whatever, dude, like you still know that that's how he feels, you know, like you say, and that's going to cause conflict, you know, whatever, to some extent, you know, like, like you say, if they think you're moving back to the States and they're fucking wrong, like. Like you already were saying you already talked to your wife about it. You know, it's like it's already, you know, made its way into your life, <clears throat> whether you take it to heart or not, you know. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's a good snakes? answer. No. Good answer. <laughs> what are you afraid of? Fuck. Um, I'm afraid of not being liked. Really? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like one of those things where I like to bullshit a lot about, you know, kind of this this fuck you, fuck that, fuck anybody who thinks anything different sort of sort of persona. But man, just some introspective on the in the past bit of time, I don't know, a couple of years, just really to me kind of just high, just helped me realize that like a lot a big motivating factor in a lot of the things that I do and a lot of the things that I say a lot of the things that I don't say just because I'm concerned about what people think of me and usually like definitely people that it doesn't fucking matter like people that I don't mm. people I don't know people I hardly know you know casual friends it's about you know it's about so much more than just keeping up appearances but you know it's do you think that's detrimental i don't know man like, like to yourself more than i mean i <clears throat> we all want to be liked right like yeah. it's, it's not like a completely foreign concept i i can appreciate but you know the um the extent to which sometimes this causes a person to you know do stuff like sit idly by this ties into the privilege thing too like if if i'm spending time with some kind of casual friends and somebody says something shitty about either about like uh like a group of people or you know even like an individual like another friend of mine you know that overwhelming desire to just kind of like say nothing and smooth it over and like it's not worth getting involved in instead of you know doing the right thing and like calling people out on shit and it's just like when you really examine the motives is it because it's just easier or is it because you don't want to lose face you don't want to be the guy who's like the buzzkill and saying like, "Hey, knock that shit off." Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's uh, it's a big motivating factor in the way that a lot of people deal with social environments, and it just feels like maybe it's a bigger factor for me than some other people. Hmm. So, like, as you kind of like put that together, took a lot of thought. Sure. Took a lot of, uh, you know, 
does it like now do you like, approach those situations differently like having come to like that self-awareness you know, it's... Uh, or is it more just being it's aware just, of how it happens? or Awareness leads to, leads to change in behavior, right? Being aware that, you know, it, it can be a knee-jerk reaction for me to just want to not say anything or, you know, well, don't rock the boat, Scott. Like, kind of kind of allows you to, to at least be prepared to, like, well, that... Scott, you chicken shit, you're always like that. You know, maybe just question, like, you know, it's, it's, it comes down to, comes down to a, to a, a value shot on each, uh, on, on each individual interaction. And, uh, yeah. Do you, oh man, so interesting. Do you think of, because like earlier you were saying, like, you're often, passive and like what you're just talking about like do you think of yourself in any way like is sort of like a fixer that sort of attitude you know like getting like not upsetting anybody or not having someone dislike you you know what i mean like i don't want that to be the thing so i'm going to take the responsibility of making it okay be that by actions or by like you say just like chilling and not rocking the boat can you clarify the question like I was just thinking about it, like, from, like, the opposite side. Like, I wouldn't say that I, I act similarly because I'm afraid of not being liked. But, like, surprise, like, I'm kind of a p- people person. And, like, I, like, definitely do see myself as a... I think Doozer's kind of similar, too. Like, sees himself as a fixer, where, like... I'll do everything I can, even at the expense of, like, everything I am, to make a situation, whether or not I actually have control of it or not, better. Interesting. Yeah. I guess I was, yeah, I was kind of thinking about just this, like, I don't even remember who it was, but it was, like, someone talking about, like, addiction, right, or whatever. Sure. And, um how like a lot of addicts are like people people and fixers and like even if they're the thing that like needs fixing right like when they can't fix the thing whatever it is right like yeah oh my mom's sad today or like you know I, i called scott and he fucking sounded weird and you know i'm worried about you know it just was fucked up and weird and like why couldn't i make that interaction better or whatever right like like the problem with addicts that have that attitude which i agree is lots of them yeah the problem is that they then proceed to take that out on themselves with Mm. their choice of abuse so like because i couldn't fix that situation like i'm going to drink more today you know and it's almost like this really sick like sadomasochism right like where you're like punishing yourself with this like thing that you know is poisonous right like you know what i mean does that make sense like yeah like and it's not conscious like it happens like like no i'm not like i'm I, it's not i can't deal with this so i'm gonna get blackout drunk 
it's like the only thing I can do. You know, it, it's it, it's it gets very very like, and this is the thing that I don't think a lot of people like acknowledge about mental illness or like addiction. Even it's like it gets ve- at this point it gets very scarily similar to like self harm, like physical self harm, because like I'm not getting so drunk that I can't feel anymore. I'm getting so drunk that I'm going to feel like shit, right? Like. The point where you're like, oh my god, dude, like I'm fucking borderline alcohol poisoning myself, right? Like, yeah. like you're gonna vomit, like you you feel physically awful, like you stop yeah. feeling drunk and you feel just fucking garbage, and you're going to wake up and feel like garbage again, yeah. And then like you revel in your own like martyrdom of yourself, like you know what I mean? It's a fucked up psychological nightmare. But, like, I heard this, like, I say this person talking about it, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, that's so fucking brutally close to home. Like, sure. it doesn't happen a lot, um, but I could definitely point at points where it's like, you know, that's, like, like I said, that that's exactly what happens. <laughs> like, and it's never good, because you can never... It, like, rarely can you just, like, exact that self-punishment without fucking something else up, right? Which just yeah. makes your whole shit worse. Because you're concentrated on getting so fucking drunk that you can, like, have your, like, weird catharsis over not being able to fix a situation. But your fucking significant other's there, too, going, what the fuck, dude? Right? And then you get all fucked up, and you're like, well, tell me what to fuck. Now you start an argument with your old lady about it. Right? Like, yeah. or whatever it may be. Someone calls you and you answer the phone and you go, you know what? I never really liked you or, you know, whatever. Some stupid fucking thing. Something else for you to feel bad about. Um, so that's, I mean, yeah. I was just thinking about that as well. Sure. And, like, how, again, like, wanting to be liked or wanting to please people, like, to me, all kind of ties into that. Like, I, I'm not going to say I'm a people pleaser, but, like, as much as I want to, like, get under your skin and shit, like, if I really, if I said something that was, like, so rude to you that, like, you started to cry or something, like, <laughs> I would feel so fucking terrible, like. Sure. Because I'm waiting for a check, really, most of the time. I was talking to, with, like I say, my high school teacher about this, like, I was going to toe the line as hard as I could, and I was going to step over that line, you know, sometimes. And if you didn't tell me where that line was supposed to be, I was going to walk right across it. You were just going to keep pushing. Yeah. You know, and she was like, well, yeah, that's why I fucking showed you where the line was, dickhead. (laughs) You know, and it's like, yeah, exactly, you know. Man, you get some good people in here. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) And then your fucking friends are just kind of like, right. Talking about ordering pizza on the phone. That was good content. I fucking totally thought so. That was good content. I wish we could have a pizza conversation right now. It'll lighten the mood. All right, so I thought about an offshoot podcast or maybe a segment of the podcast called Pizza Genius. I talked about it last year, but it didn't make the cut. And guess who's the pizza genius? Basically, like... Oh, well, I think it started way back. The idea started way back a couple years ago when I started to do $10 Tuesdays at Papa Murphy's. $10 Tuesday, large pizza, five toppings, or one off the menu for 10 bucks. Pretty good deal. But, like, let's say you're hankering for a 
Fucking chicken fajita pizza. That shit ain't on the fucking menu. You dial them up, you order a pizza with no sauce, chicken, onions, peppers, extra cheese, because every pizza gets extra cheese. Whatever. Then you go to the store and you buy like a can of black beans and a can of sauce. And you go home, you just dump all the shit off of the pizza into a big bowl. You fucking put your, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, oh, I want a cheeseburger pizza. Like, you just deconstruct it, build it the way you want it, and get it on Tuesday. Or, yeah, exactly. And like, oh, what about, you know, I'd always get Craig text Drew almost every Tuesday. What do you think about gyro pizza? You know, or like some crazy fucking Thanksgiving pizza. That's like harkening back to uh, to our tenderloin project. Oh, and, uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> I love how we put it in the non-food safe garbage <laughs> bag for marinating. Like, <laughs> like a bunch of idiots that like, thought they knew what they were doing. And then, like, and then you work in the industry and you're like, oh. uh, I could have done so much better. Like right? We yeah. were just hacking it up. <laughs> still pretty good though oh it's awesome i mean like we did use just like a fucking steel rod to close it like juicers like pushing it in the middle we're like butcher twining it uh do you think we can get any more gorgonzola in here yeah dude hold on God, and then you were fucking livid when they were like, well, like come on, I spent forty dollars to make a meal and I ate one piece. Get out of it. <laughs> Maybe that's why people don't like me. <laughs> it's just like call it like well, okay, first of all, everybody had a piece and then like Zach had three and I was like, We're fucking we done are here. Fucking done here. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know if you eaten. There was like this much left. Like, this is for people who paid money. I'm going to eat $6 worth of this $40 log. Meat log. I didn't think I'd get into my fucking therapy shit in there, but there I am. I know. Fucking terrified. Of... It's all good, man. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I'm fucking... trying to give you the hard-hitting content. Yeah, why not? Open up. <laughs> I tried chicken feet the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, never actually had it. I don't even... How, what do you eat on a chicken foot? So, it's it's largely, like, connective tissue, right? Like, it's basically tendons. But, um, yeah, I mean, you braise it to the point where it's all soft. It's kind of one of those things where, like... Like, a lot of... Uh, I mean, you, you live in your Western bubble... And um, it's hard to just, like, even wrap your head around how a lot of other cultures have kind of an appreciation for textures that just categorically we in the West dismiss as icky. Like, yeah, you know, and uh, in a lot of Chinese cuisines, the um, that kind of, like, you know, tendon texture that that. Uh, you know, um, soft cartilaginous texture is, is, uh, is desirable. You know, I went out for dim sum with my mother-in-law and my wife on Christmas Eve and, uh, on the lark, I just ordered the, uh, the braised chicken feed and yeah, pretty good, man. Like, I mean, it's, it's a bit like eating wings and that there's some bones that you need to work around. They're just more of them are right. small. But yeah, like unlike eating chicken wings, there's no actual like meat on them. It's just kind of like this 
soft kind of slurpy meat and uh i really liked it though i've got i, I got kind of uh an appreciation for uh for the texture i really liked it just off the bat so <clears throat> might be more chicken feet in my future i quite liked it and that's like i don't really get like woozy about eating like eating meats categorically like oh that's that's just a little gross. Like I, I tend to be pretty adventurous with that stuff, but man, even even me, like you go to like you go to like a an Asian grocery and you see the chicken feet like all packaged up or whatever. It's a it's a little unnerving because they look like fucking chicken feet. There's right. no way that you can clean them so that they look any different. You right. Know? <laughs> but no, yeah, would recommend if you get a shot at it. It's not I. My wife tried it and she didn't like it. My mother-in-law wouldn't try it, so it's not for everyone. But <laughs> yeah, just kind of like gonna do that thing where I talk about the city where I live in. But it's uh, it's pretty cool, man. Like Toronto's a diverse city, and people people who are traveling, you know, I guess I used to ten bar, and like I get a fair number of people who are traveling from elsewhere in Canada or from the states, and they'd ask me like, so what's like what's the food here like what's good and it's such a hokey answer but it's like the 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 cuisine of that city is just kind of like whatever the fuck you want it to be you know it's a diverse enough city that if you if you got a hankering for you know nepalese food you can get nepalese food you can go to some place and get fucking i got i've got three ethiopian spots you know or or um yeah, like from all sorts of places in China, like, you know, traditionally with the Commonwealth connection, there is a really strong Hong Kong connection there. So the dim sum game is strong, but you can get like Taiwanese cuisine or you can get, you know, all sorts of mainlander cuisine as well. You can get Hakka, you can get all sorts of shit, man. Like, like the only fucking like boring old school white person food that that city has to claim to its claim you know, as a claim to fame is a fucking pea meal bacon sandwich and they're all right but like it's boring like, <laughs> like give me some chicken feet man what fair enough yeah yeah that's legit i've actually seen like a bunch of like i watch a bunch of fucking like tv fucking food shows right i've seen a lot of shit like food Toronto. like food travel stuff yeah yeah, yeah for sure I'm always like, God damn it, I gotta go visit Scott. <laughs> yeah, when are you gonna come out, man? Like I say, when you host the Briar. <laughs> <laughs> Which it seems like they categorically won't do. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but like, it's in fucking Regina this year, and then it's in fucking Brandon, Manitoba. <laughs> and, like, a couple years ago, it's in fucking St. John's. Like, can we, we just don't do big cities? That's not a bad point. That's, uh... Man, I'm gonna pull out Google right now and find out the last time that the Briar was held in town. Because that is, uh... Not an unfair I'd say point. it's probably not within the last ten years. Yeah, that's probably, uh... I could be wrong. Um... <clears throat> but it's, it just seems crazy. I mean, oh, fuck. There was one... One of the Grand Slam events... Yeah. I was either in Toronto or somewhere that's like an hour away. And I was like, seriously <laughs> considering that, I was like, oh my fuck, like that's not that far. You know, it's only, you know, you can do it in 
like two days drive. Well, the very first uh, the very first one was held in Toronto, 1927. Actually, it looks like it was held in Toronto. Oh, like like always. Un- well, or like until 1939. It's a good run. And then back again in 41. And then after that, like after World War Two, it just seems like it's kind of been in other Canadian cities, even like 69 in Oshawa, which is like a, a suburb of Toronto. Okay. I guess they have it separated from like the different sponsor periods, right? right? Like as it used to be the Labatt Briar and Calgary, Halifax, Brandon. Brandon's hosted multiple times, by the way. And from when it was the Tim Hortons Briar from 2005, Edmonton, Regina, Hamilton, which is pretty close to Toronto. Okay. Winnipeg, Calgary, Halifax, London, Saskatoon, Edmonton, Kamloops in BC, Calgary, Ottawa, St. John's, Regina, Brandon. In 2020, it's in Kingston, which is where the Tragically Hip are from. Interesting. Which is uh, about halfway or a little more uh, uh, on the way to Ottawa from uh, Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And then, yeah, I guarantee you that after that, it's going to be in the prairies for another four or five years. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> uh, Erica wants to know if we're planning on being on the lake much longer. You want to call it at four or do you want to... Uh, let it go to 4.15, It is 3.30 right now. Uh, let's stick the hour. Let's say 4.30. I was actually going to say this a second ago. My phone died. So Got if it. you could include that in your communication. Yes, I will. Like, Sorry if Casey fucking been... <laughs> His phone died. Um, we'll probably leave here at 4.30. Casey's phone died. He's not being a dick. <laughs> was it wrong of me? Was I so ignorant to this? That I thought that, like, the geek community was a little bit more enlightened. Yeah, it was wrong of you. <laughs> well, obviously it was wrong. But, like, was that apparent the whole time? Was I just oblivious to that? Yes. <laughs> All the fucking weirdo fucking power nerds I hung out with were extremely liberal. Yeah. Right? So, like... Without, like, being one of those fucking jerk-offs on the internet trolling fucking B-threads. I mean, like, it's it's one of those things, right, where, where just because somebody, like, votes for the same person that you vote for doesn't make them enlightened, doesn't make them, right. like, doesn't mean that you got, that, that you can give them really much of a pass, right? Like... I, in my experience, like, yeah, I guess, like, a lot of, a lot of geeks that I knew were, uh, you know, definitely on the left side of the equation, but, um... Like, I don't think any of our friends were, like, really pissed off when there was, like, a chick Doctor Who. No, that's certainly true. Or, like, a black dude in Star Wars. I think that what, like, touching on the, the whole, like, nerd progressive thing is that it's... It's, um, what I hear from a lot of people is, like, it's hard to see a subculture that people always felt was formed to, like, make them feel safe because, you know, 
we we were nerds before it was cool to be nerds and it was like you know kind of cool to geek out with people about stuff like D D and stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know like it's it's hard to see like what we in our privilege thought of as a safe space like really not be that safe a space for some people yeah and like not to step on conversations you've already had with with steve and trunk but you know you see that a lot in in shit like you know gay communities where yeah it's heartbreaking to see that like like at a time when like white cis white gay dudes were you know didn't enjoy a whole lot of privileges and like needed safe spaces to like have people turn around and not be inclusive toward other people who want to occupy a queer space you know it's shitty right yeah no absolutely absolutely and like again that also like when steve started telling me about like the abject racism oh, in the dude. gay community, it blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, everything's a microcosm of society, right? So there's always going to be Nazis somewhere in everything, right? And there's always going to be whatever in everything, right? There's... Yeah. Um, everything contains everything, right? Uh, <laughs> profound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything's everything. And, like, Trung used the best word, that, or the best term for it that I like couldn't come up with. He said it's like... Why is there not more coalition building? Hmm. You know, like, why don't yeah. all of the minorities get their shit together and fucking vote out the white people? Right. Well, because the system's been built to keep them against each other. That was a fascinating interview, by the way. That that part of the interview with... Yeah. Like, and tying it into, uh, you know, um, politics of boat people and... Uh, yeah, just fucking listen to the episode, folks. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's a, stop, stop listening to this one yeah. and just go back to Trung's episode for Christ's sake. Yeah, please do. It's great. No, you can figure this is not important. We'll get <laughs> this will be boring forever. But, but um, yeah, no, like it, like I say, that shit was seriously mind blowing, you know. And then, you know, yeah, he's crazy, dude. Like talking about like, of course, racism is an individual. Dude, like I know that you're not quote racist, but like, <laughs> you are passively participating you're in the be- system that you're benefiting, right? Outright benefiting from a racist system that, yeah. And even trying to get people to comprehend that when you like can spell it out in like a really simple way, yeah, is so incredibly frustrating, and it's why the shit is so fucked up. Yeah, I don't. Casey, you think we're going to be seeing anything else? We got time. I'm thinking there's going to be like a 407. Oh, that'd be nice. I mean, not to sound greedy. Like like I said, my goal was to see a fish today. (laughs) So I exceeded that goal. Uh, I also think it's kind of bizarre. I haven't seen any perch or anything today. So that's literally the only fish we saw. Yeah. Um... Like, if we would have been here 10 minutes later. Sure, man. Like, <laughs> or 30 fucking seconds later. <laughs> or any number of things could have gone wrong with that. I'm glad that worked out pretty slick, dude. Um, yeah. But, no, once you do it, like, you want to do it again. For sure. And, like, talking about living in the moment, 
nothing fucking centers your focus onto one thing more than seeing a pike. Yes. Like, I don't give a fuck what you do for a living and how focused you need to be, but, like, focusing on one singular thing. Like, dude, the house could have been on fire. <laughs> and you're just, like, you know, and yeah. like, lining up your shot, and it's just, like, this really, it's like a zoom focus shot in your fucking brain, you know, where you're yeah. just, like, whoosh, you know, like, time stops, and, like, everything just, like, settles into eternity for just a brief moment. And then it's over. Like, most of the time, like we, like I say, we waited a really long time. Most of the time, it's like, oh, look, it's nosing in. Get your spear. You know, it's like four or five seconds worth of whatever. And then you're like, oh, my God. Your fucking, like, knees go weak. And, like, yeah. <laughs> like, Doozer said, the murder shakes. You're like, fuck, this is better than that's, sex. That's not, that's not a bad point. Like, the, um, well, because I, I don't have, because uh, even, like, the last time that I was out, the fish took its time. You know, like, sure. uh. But, yeah, from what I've gathered from prior episodes, it's it, it happens a little bit quicker than... And I, de- I definitely took my fucking time lining that shot up. Like, He was there, though. You didn't miss. He didn't swim away. What do you think about, um, like, the films with chops being released concurrently on Netflix and, uh, and in theaters? Because I have, like, film geek friends who, like, my, my, my buddy put up, like, an impassioned Facebook status that was just kind of like, look, it's cool that you get to watch them for free at home, but, like, you owe it to yourself and Alfonso Cuaron to see Roma in theaters. Right. It's just, like, the best experience you could have, and, like, it's important to kind of, like, support that culture because this is the flipping point, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they're basically giving you a choice. And if you're choosing to just, like, fuck it, I'm just going to stay in. I'm not I'm not going to go out to see this movie and pay extra money to see this movie. You know, that's, like, a deciding factor in whether or not they keep making movies for theatrical release. Or if it's just going to go more and more towards streaming, right? Like, right. And that being said, like, I'm, you know, like, repeating what this guy said, but... I fucking watched it at home. I watched Buster Scruggs at home too. Right. Watched it three times since then. It's awesome. Like, <laughs> I think I know what I'm doing tonight. Yeah. Um. I don't really care. And it just sucks that. Again, you were talking about institutions taking a long time to catch up to trends. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason why that's happening is because you need a specific theatrical release to be considered for the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly true. Like, dude, Beasts of No Nation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, people were fucking pissed. And then they retroactively tried to theatrically release that movie. Yeah. And the Academy was like, no. Yeah. That was released on a streaming service. And I don't give a fuck if you show it in theaters. It wasn't released in theaters. Yeah. Which does matter Yeah, in the success of the film and future films, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that is like the shitty part about it because then again, it, it affects your overhead. Yeah. Getting the distribution to get it into theaters is expensive. Yeah. You know, like... And again, like, if you're going to compete against yourself for free, you're probably not going to make a lot of money. So you're, again, just 
eating into your margin. Yeah. Because I, I guess I don't know, but I would probably... No, that's probably a bad guess. Maybe not with Roma, but some of those films, I'm willing to bet when the filmmaker gets paid to make them for the streaming service, yeah, they have to use their paycheck to get it distroed. Mm. I don't think Netflix is like, yeah, we'll pay for that to go into theaters. Yeah. No way. Why would they? That's not their business. They don't give a fuck if you're nominated for Oscars. I mean, really? They, they, I mean, like, again, I just said that, like, winning and nominating, getting nominated for Oscars is an important part of the business plan. But Netflix is such a catch all. I don't think that it it's really still matters gonna to make, them. they're still going to make their money. Right. Like, it's, Absolutely. They will. It matters very little to them that they can just put it on that list about, of, you know, yeah. this year at the Oscars. Tick, 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 tick. Like, especially when everybody on the fucking internet is talking about how Rome is an amazing movie that should win Oscars. Yeah. People already know when they come to Netflix. Yep. So I think that part of it is probably is shitty. But again, like, what are you gonna do? How how is that gonna change? Are they gonna put a best streaming service Oscar? Well, we're gonna get into you and I are gonna get into right now about the new Oscar category, and uh, and uh, before we do, Erica just wants to know if we should be meeting at your place or at John's. Oh, my stuff is at John's. Yes, yeah, but so tell her there. Tell her like you know four thirty-five at Daz or whatever. Whoa, right. Whoa, 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 whoa! You got a fish, man. Nice man. Yeah. Sorry, man. I did. I fucking dropped the ball on that. You came zooming in. <laughs> nice eleventh hour hit, dog. See how fast that was? Yeah. <laughs> Good job. All right. Go. What time is it? 4:10. What time did I say? What time? You you were yeah you were like two minutes off, dog. Uh, it's gonna be a 4:07 surprise. <laughs> oh. Those of you listening at home, <laughs> uh, do you want to pack it in or you want to wait for the next 20 minutes? How about that? Called it. Don't think I'll ever get that close yeah. again. 407 surprise. In a day full of surprises and at least one broken record, I couldn't have asked for a better time finally getting a successful trip out to the dark house with Scott. Thanks for making the trip down, eh, bud? As always, thanks for listening. Tell your friends, give us a like and a share. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter. I'm KCT, and this is Going Up North.